Good morning, church family, and welcome for, uh, for joining us here online. We are so glad that you are with us on this chilly South Florida sunny morning. Uh, as you can see, we are uh, only doing our online service. There is a skeleton crew of folks here, uh, from Brother Joey outside to Brother Simeon and Brother Randy Williams uh, helping us with the sound. So we are delighted that you are with us this morning, and we're so grateful for the privilege that we have in, in opening God's Word together and trying to fellowship and worshiping the Lord in a little bit of an un- unconventional way, but praise the Lord for technology and the opportunity that we have to share this moment together. As you can see, um, we definitely want to remind everybody that this Sunday, as well as this coming Wednesday, it will be an online-only service. But we ask you that wherever you may be, please connect with us. Let us know that you're watching. If you're on our webpage, just scroll to the bottom and and, uh, click on the connect button there. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, just share the service. uh, Give us a like and let us know that you are watching and that you're following along as we praise the Lord for what he is doing in our lives. Again, on Wednesday, uh, it will be an online service, and uh, we will have Dr. Rasmussen and the team from West Coast Baptist College with us today, and so it'll be an online service that, that um, we will be able to, uh, to share together, but you'll, you'll be blessed from the preaching as well as the singing from the trio that will be joining us then. Then on Friday, this is the week that we will be celebrating the homegoing service of Pastor Lehman, Pastor Howard Lehman. It will be in Sebring, and it will be at the First Baptist Church of Lake Josephine. It is in Sebring. There's about three or four First Baptist churches up there, but please make sure that it will be the correct one. They will be live streaming the service on the church's Facebook page. Um, We will do our best in sharing the service from there, uh, but if you... uh, Mark your calendars and and uh, set that time aside to join as we honor the memory of our uh, previous pastor, Pastor Howard Lehman. Uh, you'll be able to take part of that service then. By faith, in order to prepare for revival, we will be back next Sunday in person, uh, both at the 8.30 and 11 a.m. service. And so all the information will be on our website. As you can see there, the 10 a.m. Sunday school hour will continue uh, from the youngest to the oldest. And then um, as well as at 10 o'clock, we will have that new believers class. If you are new in the faith, um, if you are uh, just starting your walk with the Lord, we encourage you to join us in the office. Uh, Brother Matt Melody leads that class, and it's just a foundational class in the beliefs in our Christian faith. Then um, on Saturday, February 6th, we will have our Amen's breakfast starting at 9 a.m. But before that, however, it is a, a major part on our calendar, which is our revival services. And uh, we cannot go without revival this year. January 24th to the 27th will be our revival services with Brother Randy Smith, uh, a teacher of God's Word. And as you can see the schedule on the screen, it will, he will preach both at 8.30 and 11 a.m., Totally separate messages. And then a third message on at 6 p.m. that day. That's on Sunday. So that will be the first Sunday evening service that we've had in a while. Uh, but please mark your, 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 your calendar and schedule yourself to be with us live and in person and, and uh, be able to take part of the fellowship that we'll have together. 
on that day for the Sunday school hour, we'll set that time aside to really be in prayer for the Lord to open our hearts and be receptive to the message from the men of God and the evangelists of God at that moment. Then the, uh, that following Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we will go to a 7 p.m. schedule um, that will give us an opportunity to come together here in the auditorium and uh, open God's Word together, be challenged from God's Word. And uh, as far as I can remember... There has not been a revival uh, service or revival meeting that we've had that there hasn't been something that the Lord has blessed me with and receiving uh, from the speaker every, every one of those times. So please uh, plan accordingly and be blessed in that way. Then on Sunday the 7th, uh, we are looking forward to having Dr. Steve Pettit, the president of the Bob Jones University. He'll be uh, preaching two messages as well and bringing a team of students to bless us in the special music uh, on that Sunday. So that will be in the morning at 8.30 and 11 as we fellowship and enjoy that time together. I do want to remind you um, as we go on in this year um, that online giving is an option that it's available. It's safe, it's secure, it's fast. Um, and so if you haven't been able to create a profile yet, we encourage you to do that. Uh, that way you can stay connected and stay faithful in your part in doing your portion of the tithes and offerings. Then um, do want to encourage you that this would be a great time at this moment to take your phone if you're not watching it on your phone or um, maybe take the opportunity to just share the service. Text a friend and give them the link. PlantationBaptist.org backslash live uh, is where our services are broadcasted uh, directly from our website and just allowing your friends to take part in this fellowship time that we're sharing together. Lastly, we want to make sure that you know how to reach out to us here at church. Um, our, our email there on the, on, on the screen, pbc at plantationbaptist.org. Um, sometimes we do, send out, we do send out and we have been sending out a lot of emails. So please make sure that we're not going to junk or spam folder. Um, that way you can stay abreast of the communications that we're cascading out to everyone. And so we encourage you to do that. There's a mailing address. Um, but if you need to call or text, um, there's a number that, that we receive here on staff. And we'll be able to, um, to get back to you if, uh, if need be and you are not able to reach out in any other way. I do praise the Lord, however, for the fact that now more than ever, especially the fact that it's just Brother Randy and Simeon and I, and the only one that can sing of the three of us is probably Brother Randy Williams. Um, but with the, the blessing that it is to sing together, um, I have personally valued the importance of congregational singing. Now, indeed, more than, than I have ever had before. And in this time of transition that we're going through in the first 10 days of this year, um, it is certainly uh, with a glad heart, a joyful heart, that I know where my hope and my future are found. And that is in Christ, the solid rock. A few months ago, we did sing this as a congregation. And Brother Jeff and Brother Rod were here. And we were able to, um, to broadcast this song and, and, and share this time together. And we thought that today would be a great reminder of the promises found in that great hymn of the faith. And if I may, let me just read a few of, of the stanzas. The Bible, the, the hymn is wrote and says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We declare to, to lean on Jesus' name. When we shall come, which we know he will, amen, with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found. And the born-again believer can rest assured that, that that is for us. 
than that we will be dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless, the Bible, the Bible tells us, to stand before the throne. Then the chorus reminds us and allows us to meditate on the promise of God that it says, on Christ a solid rock I stand. That is you and me, believer. All other ground is sinking sand, amen? So with the blessing of technology, we, we will be able to come together. So whether you're sitting and you want to stand, however you want to do it, but join us as we sing number 526, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Thank you, Brother Rod. Thank you, Brother Randy, for running the controls and, and allowing us to partake together and sing that song. I hope you're encouraged and reminded of the promises of the Word of God that regardless of what's going on around us, we can stand on the solid rock which Christ is for us. As we um, move on in our service and, and um, go to the Lord in prayer, I just want to encourage you and remind you that uh, and share that Pastor Hunter and the family are doing well. They're recovering. Hopefully you, you got to see and watch the video and see pastors greeting, uh, but they should be done with their quarantine this week. And uh, I cannot tell you that they are so excited and cannot wait to be together once again later on in this week. So we praise the Lord for that and for his protection and just enabling us to, uh, to still get, stay connected, uh, but certainly being cautious with uh, what's going on around us. Let us go to the throne of, of God. In, uh, in prayer at this time. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to come together. Father, thank you for that through your Son, we can personally have access to the throne of grace in heaven above. Thank you, Lord, that we don't need anyone else but your Son to reach the throne of God in heaven. 
And Father, thank you that uh, we don't need a mediator except for Christ and Christ alone. Lord, I, I'm grateful for how Brother Simeon prayed earlier this morning of, in preparation of, of the privilege it is to serve you, the privilege it is to live for you. And Father, as we've been going about this series of Joy to the World, the call that you've given to each believer that we are the declaration of the joy to the world, of the work of Christ here on earth, but for eternity as well. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can still enjoy this liberty to proclaim the truth of the word of God. And Father, I just give you honor and glory for the amazing things that you continue to do in our lives, the opportunities you give us to declare the hope of the gospel. But Father, we know that that is under attack. However, we give you praise for giving us such an opportunity to stand and declare the goodness of God in our lives. Lord, we do come before you for the needs that, were, that have been shared, uh, uh, whether electronically, via text, or through the app. But Father, we bring before you uh, Mrs. Beasley as she's going to be having surgery tomorrow. I just pray that you would uh, be with her and the family, calm her as um, she goes about. Father, give wisdom to the doctors in, in uh, completing the procedure as it needs to be done tomorrow. Lord, I also pray for our college students that they're starting to head back to school. Uh, some have already left. Some are getting ready to leave. I just pray that you give them traveling mercies, Lord, that you give them a, a successful semester. Lord, that not only are they preparing themselves academically, but Lord, I pray that you would take this time to prepare them spiritually for the call that you have in their lives. Lord, I also pray for Mrs. Judy Dalagite, Lord, and the strength that, uh, that she needs to continue on with her therapy, Lord. Uh, Father, I thank you for the privilege that you give her to be a light, not only to her family, but to, to those around her. Lord, thank you for the joy that, that she shares when, when we get to talk to her. And Father, I just pray that, uh, that you would bless her in a great way. Father, that um, you would continue to give her the strength to carry on and to give you honor and glory for all. Father, we receive a request for um, uh, uh, little Astasio, Lord, and, and the grace that is needed to care for him. Father, I pray that your hand would be upon the family, that, uh, that you would just um, help and, and undergird the family to be able to connect with him accordingly. Lord, uh, we also ask for the, the Calle family in Orlando. And they, they, are, they, have fa- uh, they are facing a terrible loss in their family. I pray that the great comforter would just comfort their hearts. Father, that the Holy Spirit would just um, dwell upon them and, and allow the comforter to, to remind them of the goodness of God. And Father, comfort their, their spirits and their, and, their, and their situation as terrible as it is. Father, I do uh, beg you at this moment for our nation. Father, I, I beg you for the liberties that so many have fought for. And uh, have been provided for um, as old as this nation is. <clears throat> Lord, you know how much I love this country. You know how much we love the liberties and the religious liberties that we have uh, given to us because of, of that. The, the, the hundreds of years that um, of those that have gone before us declaring the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray that you would just... Uh, Uh, bring healing. Father, I pray that you would uh, just bring protection. Father, that you would allow the church to be able to communicate clearly um, the hope of the gospel that we haven't, that you have entrusted to us. And Lord, I just pray for uh, this moment, Father. I pray that you would just uh, bless me in a great way to communicate the truth of the word of God to those that are tuning in. And Father, for, for it to be a blessing as we continue to study God's word in this series, Joy to the World. Father, I love you and I thank you for your son. 
It is because of him that we live. It is because of him that we have a hope of tomorrow. Lord, I just ask that in all things you be glorified and magnified through these moments. We love and thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I ask you and beg you to uh, find your Bibles, whether it's in paper, digitally, whichever way, and make your way to the New Testament all the way back to the book of James, right after the book of Hebrews. Sometimes the pages get stuck back there, but um, as we've been looking at uh, this series of Joy to the World, um, Pastor has uh, taken a break from the from the, um, the series from the Gospel of John to really challenge us as a, as a church, um, to challenge the believer um, of the responsibility that we have um, with the Word of God in our lives. And, and the series is so needed for the, the days that we are living. Um, this will be the sixth, the sixth message in the series. And it really drives the point of what we are called um, to do and to be here in our, in, in our community. It is definitely um, an applicable lesson, especially as we look into the new year and we, we see the, the, the transition that is taking place. But I beg you to uh, find yourselves in the book of James. We're going to be looking at the last part of the first chapter. And if I can just give you a brief introduction to the, to the book, uh, James is indeed one of the brothers of Jesus. He was a half-brother of Jesus. The Bible, both in Matthew and Mark, gives us the reference uh, in Matthew 13, 55 and 56, as well as Mark 6, 3, that there are four other brothers and their name in that passage, as well as sisters that are not mentioned. But we know that Jesus um, did have brothers so that there, there was the, the reality of, of a family structure there. Uh, this is one of the reasons that Jesus was tempted in the same ways that we are. Um, that he indeed had a family structure. He indeed had um, 100% humanity within him as well as being 100% God. And so we know we have a high priest that we can go to because he understands um, where we're coming from. So just like Mary and Joseph... Uh, James and the siblings, they too needed to be born again in order to spend eternity in heaven. They couldn't trust in the fact that they were Jewish or they couldn't trust in the fact that they, they grew up with Jesus to say, well, that, that's my key to eternal life. No, no, no. They needed to be born again as well. So it is indeed one of the earliest epistles that, that were written. And it carries a very practical uh, application to everything that James uh, wrote about. And of course, we know that he's inspired by the Spirit of God. But in his way of communicating, James has that, that persona of being very direct, very little sugarcoating. He, he went straight to the point. And so in this first chapter of the book of James, we, we are introduced to, to so many different um, perspectives. But yet it culminates, and that's what we're going to be looking at in the, in the, um, in the last section of this chapter. It is a book full of actionable steps for the believer. And that is, that is the point that we need to remember, that James, as a book, was written to the born-again brethren, believer of Christ. So this is not just a book written for everyone. The, the key to understand the book is that we have to understand in the first chapter, uh, multiple times he is referring to the brethren, the brethren, the brethren. These Jewish Folks that had received Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So they were no longer trusting in their Judaism for eternal life. 
but they had received the message of the Messiah that indeed is found in, in Jesus Christ. And so that, that is the, the perspective that we need to understand because growing up, that's not what I had understood about the book. But yet it is indeed written for you and I, believer. The culmination, like I mentioned, does indeed get summarized in the last section, but specifically in the last verse, which is where we get our title from today. So the last verse is verse 27, and it reads the following. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So that's our title for today. In continuing the series of Joy to the World, that we are to be unspotted from the world. So in order for us to understand that, we have to look at, uh, at the perspective of what James is trying to communicate here. Because he could have said that from the beginning, but he had to build it up to be able to connect with us in that way. I want us to look at just three, three phases or three key phrases here in the last verse. It starts with the thought of pure religion. I know that when we hear the word religion, we, we immediately kind of get sidetracked, but yet just keep that thought in mind, pure religion. Then I want you to, to focus on, on the, on, at the end of the verse when it talks about unspotted. And then lastly, the word world. Pure religion carries this idea that it is a clean devotion and worship that's expected of the believer. A clean devotion and worship Yes, we do get discombobulated when we, we hear the word religion. And so many times we, we, we connect the word religion with every religion that we see around the world. Which in its definition, not the biblical one, but in definition of religion, it's man's way to God versus what the Bible teaches, which is God's way to man through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we see this and, and people outside of the church walls, if you may, may say and may call us religious. And you just have to be ready to respond. Because yes, you may be looped together with everybody else. But yet, this is the calling that the Lord has. So James specifically addressing not just man-made religion. He's talking about pure religion. Of the fact of the clean devotion to worship with God, having a personal relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. Then in the word unspotted, it shares the idea of soiled or stained. You used to describe a sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, in the next book over, 1 Peter 1.19, it, it gives the correlation that Jesus shares. So if you can keep your hands there in the book of James and just flip over one book, to 1 Peter 1.19, look at what the Bible says. Verse 19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's how um, unspotted is being described. Unblemished and without spot. That was the Old Testament requirement for a sacrificial lamb. He, he carries the same idea in the following book, in 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3.14, the Bible tells us the same idea of what is being declared. The Bible reminds us uh, in 2 Peter 3.14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such thing, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. 
So the believer in Christ is being called to be blameless, to be without spot before the throne of God. Thank the Lord that it is not based on what we can do, but by simply being covered by the blood of Christ. Because no matter how hard we try, man without Christ cannot attain that. We need the blood of Christ. We need his, his, um, his uh, mediation there. But then the last word, the word world, says to be unspotted from the world. It is the idea of not necessarily the people of the world. It's not telling me to keep myself away from my neighbor. It's telling me to keep away from the mentality, from the culture of the world around me. It is not for us to go into isolation, but to be a light right there where the light is needed. 1 John 2.15 um, the, the apostle reminds us that we are not, we are love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Same word, same idea, that we are to be separated. We are not to love the things of the world. We are to love the people of the world, but not the world itself. So this world is the system or mentality or the culture that we are living in. It is a culture that would say, well, today this is acceptable, but it wasn't a generation ago. It's constantly shifting, but yet the word of God does not. So if God called it a sin then, he will continue to call it a sin today. If God says this is the only way to heaven, this is the fact that it was the same yesterday, today, and it will be forever. So that's the, the idea that is being communicated by James, that this is the culmination of what true religion, what a believer in Christ ought to emanate from his life. So James culminates the evidence of your salvation or true Christianity in this one verse. And the reality is that the world around us, our culture, needs this message today more than ever. Because the difference can only be found in Christ and Christ alone. So we're going to look at three thoughts to help us understand these principles today. If you can go back to verse 19 of James chapter 1, we, we're going to look at the reality of what is needed, that it is indeed your responsibility. In the same verse 27, when he says uh, to keep himself unspotted from the world, that is you, believer. That is me as a believer. That it is our responsibility, it is your responsibility. It is not God's responsibility to keep you unspotted, but he enables you. 1 Corinthians 10.13 reminds us that when temptation comes, that there's always a way to escape, to avoid it. But it is up to us to take that decision, to make that decision. It is up to us to be able to keep unspotted. That's why we ask God for help on a daily basis, right? That's why we are to ask Him to give us that desire. When I was a young man, I know that my desires... 25, 30 years ago were completely different than my desires today. Because back then I wanted what I wanted. And God in his mercy and his long suffering reminded me that that's not what he wanted for me. Now I have a will and I rejected that will that God had for me. But once I surrender to what he had for me, that's when I began to see the joy and the blessing. Even though I was already a believer, but that's the difference in between the two. That he does give us a choice to obey or disobey. 
He gives us a choice to surrender to the Spirit or quench the Spirit. But yet, it's still the same. It is our responsibility to do so. It is why Jesus reminds us in the book of Luke to daily take up our cross and follow Him. Again, not for salvation, but for our will to be surrendered to Him. That daily we are to be filled with the Spirit of God, which is promised to every believer the moment that they're saved. We then become the temple of the Holy Ghost. But how much we allow Him to rule in our lives, that's up to the individual. So the, 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 the prayer is not to resist or to quench the Spirit, but to be in surrender to Him in our lives. It starts, of course, with a person's individual decision to receive God's gift of eternal life or salvation. The miracle of salvation is a miracle of the moment. Just like it did for the thief on the cross, that is the miracle of salvation that you need to receive. Now, some can put it away and, and put it off for another time. But when that spirit is knocking at the door and that individual says, no, not today, tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I know I personally have pleaded and begged with friends and, and family to receive the Lord and his gift of eternal life. And some have, but some others have said, well, not today. But yet, this decision is your decision. Nobody can make it for you. That is where it starts in this responsibility in order to be unspotted from the world. Jesus reminds us in the, in the beautiful passage in John chapter 3, John 3.16, the most known verse in the Bible, for God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the promise that God has for you. That's the promise that God has for us. But it has to be received, not rejected. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that salvation is by grace, that we are saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. There's nothing I can do, nothing James could do, nothing Mary could have done to earn salvation. And if anybody would have been merited of that, it would have been Mary at least, right? Or at least his brother James. But no, they had to receive the Lord's gift of eternal life. Believe in the work of Christ on the cross and receive it as redemption for their sins. So that's the message of salvation, that it is not a gift so that no, not of works, lest any man should boast, uh, Paul reminds us. That way, James couldn't say, well, I'm going to heaven because Jesus is my, my brother. I'm going to heaven because I'm Jewish. I'm going to heaven because I've done all these things. No, no, no. We're going to heaven simply by receiving the gift of Christ on the cross for us. That's how we are proving the salvation in our lives as believers. And this is what he explains in, in verses 19 and 21 of, of chapter 1 in James. Look with me if you could. James 19, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be what? Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Oh, do we need this today? I know that back then we were only talking about verbal communication. And now communication takes very medias uh, and different formats and whatnot. So we have the verbal communication face-to-face. -face. We've got the phone call communication over the airways. We've got text. We've got social media and everything in between. But yet, the believer in Christ is called to be swift to hear, slow to speak. So that therefore we can be slow 
to wrath. That's what's necessary to be kept unspotted from the world. That's not how the world responds. And to be completely transparent, Reuben in the flesh does not like to respond this way either. <laughs> if, if I had in my way, if I had my flesh in the way, I would not be swift to hear. I would be slow to hear, swift, swift to speak. And if you knew the old me, very quick to wrath. But only by His grace can this be changed. That is the will of God to transform us into the image of Christ. And that is a desire that God has for you and I. So James continues in verse 20 and he says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And that's the downfall of the wrath. That if we are not swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath, that the wrath of man is completely opposite than the righteousness of God. Verse 21, Wherefore, this is for you and I, believer, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness or humbleness the engrafted word that the word of God would take such root in our lives and our hearts that at the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks that you no longer are the one speaking, but the word of God speaking through you, which is able to save your souls. Not about salvation, but upon that wrath so that you can be unspotted from the world. So after salvation, we understand that this is what's needed for the believer to be successful in being unspotted from the world. But yet, it's also what's necessary to be completely transformed into the image of Christ. It's not God's responsibility, but your responsibility to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So, Understanding that it is your responsibility to be unspotted from the world. The second part is, this, is the part that really there's something for you. There's a blessing that comes from it. So it is the benefit of being to keeping yourself unspotted from the world. And that's found in verses 22 through 25. Look, starting in verse 22, what the Bible has to say. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. So James is getting right to the point. Hey, listen, you've been hearing this. Now be a doer of the word. Now, we know that this was the early church in Jerusalem. We know that um, most, if not all, of the believers that he is intending this epistle to be shared with were primarily Jewish people that had received Christ as the Messiah and therefore they were born again. So these were folks that grew up knowing the word of God, grew up knowing the Old Testament and and its principles and its laws and, and the commandments of God. But yet they too were being reminded that we were not just to hear it, but to put it into action. So whether we've grown up in church or not, we're called to be doers of the word, not to take it for granted, but to take it into action so that we don't deceive ourselves Saying, well, yeah, I know it says that, but I want to do it this way. No, no, no. This is how we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. This is the comparison between man's religion and God's relationship with you and I through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what we are asked to do and accomplish. Verse 23, he continues by saying, For if any be a hearer of the word... 
that is the Bible, the word of God, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. A hearer of the word is unfortunately the one that is then deceived, as it was mentioned in verse 22. That he saw the, the Holy Spirit through the word of God pricked his heart, and yet nothing had changed. And he would hear it again, the pricking of the Spirit is there, and nothing changes. That's not the goal. So that when we get alone with God's word and we're, we're, we're reading it, we're studying, we're meditating upon it, and the Holy Spirit continues to knock in your heart about something. Now, praise the Lord that God is long-suffering. Praise the Lord that He is merciful. But if He continues to knock and ask you to change, and you are not going to change, then the Bible says that you're deceiving yourself. That is not what God is trying to accomplish. Verse 24 reminds us, For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That's why when the Holy Spirit is moving your life, whether it's through the preaching of the word of God, through the reading of his word, through the meditation of his word, and we sense that pricking and we don't do anything, the opportunity may not come again. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. So believer, what is God trying to remind you of? This last Wednesday, we were studying the Bible together in, in, uh, on the Wednesday night Bible study. And one of the verses that we shared was 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. That's why the Word of God is so important for us. Because it says, all Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, all of it, is given by inspiration of God. He breathed it. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's the goal. That's the reason why we have God's word. So that we can be complete in him. We were reminded on Wednesday like we are this morning. That the word of God teaches you what is right. Not the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the preacher. No, the word of God. Not family or the culture or whatever else. The word of God. That's how we stay unspotted from the world. It's good for reproof. The word of God teaches you what is wrong. And I've had conversations with new believers that grew up thinking one way and did not know that that was completely 180 degree different than what God says is correct. They didn't know it was wrong. They didn't know any better. And you might find yourself in that same situation. But it talks about correction. The word of God changes you so that you can live a life that is obedient to God. Without it, we can't do it on our own. And we talked about this on Wednesday. So we encourage you to, re, to be reminded that the only way as a believer in Christ to be unspotted from the world is through the word of God. And then lastly in this, in this part, in verse 25, James reminds us, but, wo, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, in other words, whoever reads and meditates and receives the word of God, the law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being a forgetful hearer, not, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So what's the blessing? That when we apply God's word, the promise is that in return, we will be blessed in our doing. Very practical, very direct. 
a very simple formula. If you do this, this is what will happen. This is the blessing of being unspotted from the world. But let, let's be reminded, that is not what Satan wants to portray. That is not what the enemy wants to help us believe and understand. And I, I appreciate the word of God that it uses, instead of the word of God, it says the law of liberty. The law of liberty, that the word of God, eternal life, is not just for eternity, but it starts the moment a, a person received his gift of eternal life. That we live in freedom from being enslaved to sin. That we live in communion with a holy God. That's the blessing of receiving and committing to the responsibility of being unspotted from the world. That's the reward that we get, not on eternity only, but today. That's the perfect law of liberty. Then lastly, to be unspotted from the world, we have to come to the position and, and understanding that it is your decision to make. Not only is it your responsibility, not only is there a blessing for it, but it is your decision, your resolute, your resolution to make in the new year, in this day. The last two verses explain and help us understand this, that in verse 26 the Bible says that if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So he goes back. In verse 27, he'll talk about pure religion. But one of the few times that this word is used in the whole Bible, it's about that devotion. That we are not to be hypocritical in our response to life around us. We are to be genuine. Believer, how are you responding to the pressures around you? To the conversations around you? I know we just got through to the, through the holidays of Christmas and New Year's and a little bit before that Thanksgiving. And obviously we were not uh, as able as we've done in the past to gather together. But if you had an opportunity to do so, how was that time together with family? How has that time been with coworkers? Because the moment we get saved, God doesn't transport us immediately to heaven. He wants us to be a light. He wants us as jars of clay to carry the gospel message of Christ. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, if you can turn over to the left, a few books, um, we, we see this reminder that he spends the entire chapter explaining to new believers. Now, this group of people were mostly Gentiles. They had to be taught to even how to speak. But yet, he spends the entire chapter on how to communicate. And it offers a key lesson in being able to tie down our tongue, brittle our tongue, right? And in verse 29 of chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us the following. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Not my brother, or my sisters, my wife's, or my whomever's mouth, or my boss. Your mouth, believer. Regardless of where you're at. But that which is good to the use of the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So Paul had to carry the same message. That yes, our flesh wants to attack the same way that we're being attacked. But yet, in order to be unspotted from the world, we are to be careful. To measure everything we say. For the edifying to believer and unbeliever. 
Solomon wrote it this way in, in, in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And trust me, I come from a very confrontational culture. And we don't have a problem using our words. But yet, in order to be unspotted from the world, that's not what a believer in Christ ought to be. That's not how he or she ought to respond. Believer, this includes not only our verbal, but our written communication on text, social media, etc. We are to be transparent in our conversation. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of the year. We don't get a hall pass. My tongue is to be controlled by the Spirit of God and not by my emotions or my flesh. And only God can accomplish that. So he continues in verse 27 that after the purity of our speech, he then challenges us that in pure religion and non-defiled before God, James reminds us in, in verse 27 that the Father, uh, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. In other words, we are called to serve regardless of what we get in return. And James so eloquently used the, the reminder of widows and orphans. Because in, the, in their community, once the husband died, the inheritance went to the firstborn. And if the firstborn wasn't old enough to care for the family, the mother, the children that were left, were basically sent to beg. And they were the lowliest in the community. They were the ones that if they were helped, they couldn't do anything in return. But yet, we're challenged to serve without expecting anything in return. Serving the widows, serving those who could not do anything for themselves. But then the question is, well, where's the blessing in that? But yet, that's the challenge. That's what true, pure religion is. So he defines it in that way. But then, as we studied, and lastly, what he challenges us in the rest of the, of the verse, that the local New Testament church is to be separated from the mentality of the world, the culture around us. That whether the church is here in South Florida or in the middle of the Bible Belt of the South, we're called to be different. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to separate ourselves for the light of Christ, the hope of the gospel. Again, not to isolate ourselves, but to become the tools that God uses to proclaim the goodness of God around us. But not to allow the blemish or sin of the culture to affect our thoughts and emotions. You see, pure religion does not please God by outward forms of religious activity, but by a heart of humility and obedience. David in the psalm, and, and I would encourage you to write this and study this later, but in Psalm 51, verses 16 and, and 17, one of those penitence psalms that David wrote, he reminds us of this idea of this humble heart and obedient heart. He declares, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou desirest not the burnt offering. He's basically saying, listen, I'm now understanding that you can require me to go to church to give and to do all these things, but that's not what you're asking me to do. 
He's saying the sacrifice of God in verse 17 in Psalm 51, our broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. That's the formula for being kept unspotted from the world. That we understand that it is not about our flesh, but it is about what God is trying to accomplish in us. It's that your heart today, is that truly what's being communicated from you in your heart? Or is there bitterness and anger? Or are you trying to hide behind an outward approach of doing things for God? And not responding to the pricking of the Spirit in your heart. What James is basically saying in this last two verses, he summarizes this way. Pure religion can be defined by controlled speech, by serving, expecting nothing in return, and being separated or unspotted from the world. Is that what's found in your heart? Remember, it is your responsibility, including salvation, to be unspotted from the world. But it is a benefit that you do receive from living within what God has assigned for believers. But is it then your resolution? It is, has it been your decision to make to live in such a way that you're unspotted from the world around us? The question then is, believer, are you a doer of the word of God or just simply a listener? You've been coming as long as the doors have been open. You've been listening or watching online. And if you measure your life from the last 12 to 16, 18 months, has anything changed? Can you measure spiritual growth in your life? Are you, are you walking closer to God today than you did 12, 18 months ago? Remember, it's never too late to do right. If the Holy Spirit is pricking you of a sin or something that needs to change over to God and sin to be forgiven... Psalm 103, 12, uh, verse 12 reminds us that God will separate that sin as far as the east is from the west. That's the promise to the believer. That when we confess, that's what we will receive in return. But we may have a friend watching, family member. And you also sense the Holy Spirit moving your heart. Realizing that your responsibility to receive God's gift cannot be provided through a family member, whether it's a grandmother or a grandfather or uh, a father, a mother, a brother, or sister. It is your responsibility, your decision to receive or unfortunately reject the gospel truth of the word of God. See, today can be that day of salvation. Romans 10, 9 reminds us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we are sinners separated from a holy God, Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says that we will be saved. As a man asked the other day, is it really that simple? Yes, it is really that simple. Believer, don't delay. Surrender your will to him today. Resolve in your heart to obey his leading in your life for the moment. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Thank you so much for the privilege it is to open your word together. Thank you, Lord, for the enabling that you've given us to communicate through the channels that we're able to communicate, even though we we stand in an empty building with just a few folks in here. Lord, thank you for the fact that we can open your word in in freedom, and Father, that we can communicate the truth. But Father, you had this message 
from the early church to the church 2,000 years later. Father, that you are calling us to be set apart. That you're calling us to be presented blameless before you. Father, you're calling us to stand up and be unspotted from the world. And Lord, I just ask that you would move mightily in our, in our church body, Lord, our church family. That Father, uh, whatever you have in store for your church and for, and for those individuals around us, Lord, that this new year in 2021, that Father, that the grace of God, the mercy of God, the hope of the gospel can be communicated and shared. For, Father, you love the sinner. Father, and your will is for all to be saved and none to perish. Father, I pray that uh, as a believer in Christ that you're, you're pricking our hearts to grow closer to you. Father, is there an area of our life that we're just not willing to surrender? Father, I pray that today would be that day of making sure that that, is, uh, that relationship is, is, um, is clear, that communion with you is uh, ask for forgiveness and be restored. Lord, use us in a great way. Allow us to walk in joy and victory for the good things that you, have, that you are doing in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We cannot thank you enough for staying connected, for um, being with us this morning. And we just want to remind you that this week we'll be again online on Wednesday with Dr. Rasmussen from West Coast Baptist College. Uh, beyond that, have a great week. May the Lord bless you in a great way. Thank you.